0: Alrighty, so we're starting this new series today called Running with the Giants. Um, And I'm really excited about it, actually. Um, I I do want to dive into it, but I just want to give you one more word of encouragement before I kick off. I I woke up this morning and, you know, as you often do, you hit with certain thoughts. And I started meditating on Isaiah 61. And Isaiah 61 was actually a, a, a phrase or a chapter of the Bible that Jesus quoted when he was on the earth too. And it was, he almost said, this is the beginning of my ministry. And he opened with Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. And he goes on and he says a variety of different ways that the Spirit of the Lord is going to impact people. But I want to remind you all today that the Spirit of the Lord is upon you because he has anointed you. The Spirit of the Lord is upon you because He has anointed you. And there might be some of you today, and I'm just saying this as an encouragement, because you might think about your situation, your circumstance, and how you feel, what your emotions are like at the moment. You might say, I don't feel like there's any anointing right here. And the way that we use the word anointing, we look at a worship leader, for example, or a a preacher who's really famous, and we go, wow, they're so anointed, right? We say that a lot. Oh, my God, they're so anointed. And so by... By comparison, we tend to go, well, I'm obviously not anointed. But I want to tell you today, if you have the Spirit of God dwelling in your heart, you are anointed. You are anointed. The Spirit of God is in you, and He has anointed you to do good works. He has anointed you. So you need to tell yourself that, that you are anointed. The Spirit of of the Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me. Can you say that with me together? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for He has anointed me. The Lord has anointed you, and I want you to encourage yourselves today. And I think that's for somebody. I really do, and I I felt encouraged when I was meditating on it this morning. But look, um, this series, it's a four-week series. We're going to be visiting some of the lives of uh, Old Testament characters in the Bible, and um, I think you'll find it a real encouragement. I really do. The, uh, the Old Testament, in, in its biography, it was, they obviously weren't paid by the bi- biographers often, uh, because they're very honest, and I think an honest biography, I don't know about you, I love biographies, and an honest biography, I find way more interesting and fulfilling than one which is whitewashed. You know the glossy biography, or the, yeah, boring, exactly, or the glossy autobiography where they, oh, and then I did this, and then I did that, and... You know, every, so it's like one great thing after the other. But human life is really not like that, even for great people. Human life is gritty. You get dirt under your fingernails. It hurts sometimes. It's painful. You fail a lot of the time. And so you need to understand that um, real life is different to some of these glossy pictures. So these Old Testament characters um, are really interesting for us to study. And I hope that will encourage you as well. We're going to start with uh, the character whose name is Jacob. Jacob, I, I was going to study, uh, we're going to do Abraham, and I, I just changed my mind because I, th- I really love Jacob, and I love him probably for the wrong reasons. He's not a hero hero. He's more like an anti-hero. He's kind of the guy who gets it all wrong, and that gives me a great deal of comfort. Um, I don't know about you, but it's kind of okay for me to see someone else not always getting it perfect, not always getting it 100% right. So this gritty story we're going to dive into today is, is all about this guy called Jacob. And like I said, it's not a fairy story. It's not whitewash. It's real. It's real life. It's not, no Cinderella story, this one. So um, let's kick off. Let's, uh, let's have a look at this guy, this character called Jacob. So it all began a long, long time ago in a land far, far away. So all stories have to start like that, don't they? And uh, I'll spare you the montage Of the background, but just to give you a little bit, it it really the story of God's journey with with, uh, the Israelites began with his his interaction with a guy called Abraham. Abraham was Jacob's grandfather. So it starts with Abraham, and God gave Abraham a promise. He said to him, Abraham, I'm going to make your descendants, and Abraham at the time had no children, Abraham, I'm going to make your descendants more numerous than the stars in the sky. And God miraculously gave Abraham children. And so it goes to his son, who was Isaac. And Isaac prospered greatly in the land that he was in. And he married Rebecca. And Rebecca couldn't bear children for a long time. And so they prayed. And eventually, God blessed them. And they had, they had their first children, her first pregnancy. She didn't have one child. And this might be the fear of some. But um, she actually was pregnant with twins. Oh, yeah, got to love twins, right? Where's Kate Guadagnolo right now? She prayed for twins, believe it or not, and she, her prayers were fulfilled. Um, so Rebecca gave birth to twins, and I'll pick up the story from Genesis 25, verse 24. When the time came to give birth, Rebecca discovered that she did indeed have twins. The first one was very red at birth and covered with thick hair, like a fur coat, so they named him Esau, which means hairy person, or hairy dude, or something like that. Oh, so imaginative these, these Old Testament characters! So, um, what a blessing, hey? Your first child is covered in hair. How wonderful! Actually, I've got a funny story about. <laughs> Do you want to hear it? Or not? My wife's saying, "Don't hear." <laughs> Um, Okay, well, let's move on then. Um, The other twin was born with his hand grasping Esau's heel. So they named him Jacob, which actually means heel grabber. It means supplanter or deceiver. You might want to also add in try hard too while you're at it. Talk about a car crash of, you know, childhood development waiting to happen. These kids have been named by what their parents just saw as they came out. Well, this one's going to be called Deceiver, Heel Grabber. This one's going to be called Hairy. Um, and uh, maybe some of you guys can relate to that. that. You know, people say words don't mean anything, but words do mean stuff, don't they? Words do mean things, and you get called all sorts of things, usually about your circumstance at the time. But you need to know that those words, those names don't always or shouldn't always define you. They shouldn't define you. You know, um, just interestingly enough, my grandmother had this gift of naming her children. So, um, my uncle's name was was Mark because he was born with a mark, like he was born with a big birthmark on him. So he got called Mark. Um, his brother Chris was born on Christmas Day, so <laughs> she was like, "Well, I'll just call him Chris." So, um, anyway, obviously, not people. We think about the names, the way we name our kids mostly, don't we, these days? I think we do anyway. We, you know, is it going to be this name? What's the meaning of it? And we think it through. But anyway, these guys were far more pragmatic. They had ov- obviously had other things on their mind. And so they got called what they were, so to speak. And uh, Esau, he grew up to be a real man's man. He loved hunting. He, was, he loved fishing. He probably could service his own chariot. You know, he's one of those tough sort of guys. And, and interestingly enough, you're going to freak out, but interestingly enough, um, we actually had a photo. We found a photo of Esau. So um, let's throw up the photo. See if we, incredible. So um, the technology that they were able to, uh, to find that photo for us. Um, so there you've got the tough guy, Esau. However, Jacob, on the other hand, was a different kettle of fish altogether. He was indoorsy. He was indoorsy. He, you know, indoorsy. He liked being indoors. Um, he liked cooking. I bet he had, if he had a Pinterest account, it would have been full full of photos of, like, how to make your tent look bigger. You know, he was indoorsy. He liked cooking and, you know, cooking shows and all that sort of stuff. Um, so we actually have a photo of him too, believe it or not. Here's a photo of Jacob that they able to <laughs> fill out of the archives. <laughs> so different. So not only did they have different names that they actually fulfilled, but <laughs> that's Napoleon Dynamite if you've never seen the movie. Um, but he doesn't look outdoorsy at all, does he? He's a pretty indoorsy looking kind of a guy. So they were really, really different guys biologically and also emotionally they actually became very different people. Um, not only that, the circumstances that they were born into were very, very different. So, um, back in those days, birthright was an incredibly important thing. So, the son that was born first basically got everything. The son that was born first when the father died would inherit a double portion of everything. And so, he who came second, which was Jacob grabbing the heel on his way out, um, basically gets like really next to nothing. Can you imagine how that might have played out in Jacob's mind as he was just old enough to figure things out? That Esau was going to be the favoured one. Esau was one with all the inheritance, the double portion. If I, I can imagine the cogs turning in his head, you know. ah, oh, If I was just on the other side of Esau when I came out, I would have been first. I would have been the guy with all that stuff. And yet here I am, the second choice. Not only that, just to compl- complicate things one more layer, his parents actually had favorites. They had favorites, which we all know is a big no-no in this day and age, but they didn't, didn't read that parenting book that Val was showing us today. And so um, they didn't understand that stuff, so they picked their favorites. Genesis 25, 27. As the boys grew up, Esau became a skillful hunter, he was an outdoorsman, but Jacob had a quiet temperament, preferring to stay at home. Isaac loved Esau because he enjoyed eating the wild game. So actually, it was selfish, completely for selfish reasons that he preferred his son because his son was able to catch these, this yummy food for him. Um, but Rebecca loved Jacob. So the parents have already picked sides, um, which, which makes it even worse for Jacob he doesn't have the father's approval. He doesn't have the the father saying, "Wow, you're doing a great job. You're awesome." He he just gets the grunts, you know, as Esau comes back with the uh, with a deer slung over his shoulder. You know, and this is funny thing that happens with middle kids. I don't know if you've got any mi- middle kids in the house today, um, but middle kids can be a little bit competitive. It can be like, especially the second like you're always striving to get yourself the approval. You're striving to push yourself that little bit further. Because it's, again, it's it's this faulty thinking that I need to gain approval, that I need to push through, I need to do something special to gain approval. So um, this, as this story goes, there's this simmering tension now between Esau and Jacob, and it comes to a bit of a head, um, and I won't sort of read through the whole story, but Esau's out hunting and he comes back, he's been hunting and he's caught something, he's obviously famished and, um, and Jacob's at home and he's stirring the pot, literally and figuratively he's stirring the pot, he's cooked up this beautiful delicious stew, Esau comes home and he's like, oh that smells good, give me some of that delicious stew my weak, weedy brother. And, um, and I can imagine Jacob's like, oh, yeah, it smells so delicious, doesn't it? Oh, let me taste it. Oh, it's so good. It's, what's in that? Oregano? I don't know. There's something special about these. You know what brothers and sisters can be like to one another? Just kind of digging in a little bit, needling a little bit. Um, and, he's, and Esau says, well, give me some of that stew. Give me some of that stew. And, and Jacob knows he's got him on a hook. He's got him at this moment right where he wants him. And so um, Jacob, I imagine he's saying, well, sure thing, my macho friend. Just hand over your birthright and all this stew can be yours. And I'll even throw in some garlic bread as well and you can mop up the juice at the end. And so Esau, foolishly, not realizing, so consumed by his hunger, his own desire, hands over his birthright to Jacob. So let's move forward into time. And Isaac, the dad, is getting close to the end of his life. He's become completely blind by now. And uh, it's time he realizes that he needs to pass on the the full inheritance to Esau, his son, his his firstborn son. So he says to, to Esau, look, my time has nearly come. Go out there and hunt catch something really delicious for me, bring it back, cook it up, and then I'll bless you. One, unbeknownst to him, his wife Rebecca was in the other room listening at the door, and she heard what was going on, and so she grabbed Jacob and she said, Jacob, quickly, you've got to go, we've got to cook something really special, go and get a uh, goat real quickly, we'll cook it up, we'll serve it to him, and I'll dress you up like Esau, I'm going to dress you up in his clothes, and um, he'll think it's you, and he'll, he'll bless you instead." So you can get the blessing. It's so messed up, isn't it? It's so weird. Um, and you know what? I was as I was reading, um, because Jacob in this it, this uh, discussion with his mom is like, oh, it doesn't seem quite right. It doesn't seem. Am I doing the right thing here? You know, this doesn't seem one hundred percent. I'm doing the right thing, um, but it's what his mom's like Rebecca. Go for it. It's going to be great. It's going to work out. It's going to be fine. So. Um, Anyway, this interaction, you think, well, that's just between a teenage son and a mum, right? But funnily enough, you know, things are according to as they say, um, Jacob would have been like 76 years old. 76 years old, still living with his mum, and he's listening to her to that sort of extent, like still not sure of himself, um, and obviously went along with it. So he got dressed up. They put animal coats all over his arms and the back of his neck so he looked kind of hairy. So we actually have a photo of that too that day that he uh that he got dressed up. <clears throat> so he puts on this Chewbacca suit and uh basically he's faking it, isn't he? He got the blessing in the end. This is the the ruse worked and he got blessed. He got the blessing. Um he stole the blessing though, didn't he? He didn't take it, he stole it and um and you wondered to yourself, well, was he really blessed out of that encounter? As it turned out, obviously, his brother got home, figured out what just happened. And so Jacob had to go on the run then. He was on the run. He went missing for 20, 21 years. He was away. And, uh, you know, that's the thing about blessing. You know, sometimes we think we're going to get ourselves something amazing, something great when we fake it. Um, but it never really works out. With the real peace that you really want. And Proverbs ten twenty-two says that the blessing of the Lord makes a person rich and he adds no sorrow with it. He adds no sorrow with it. You know when God appoints you and when he blesses you in his way and with his in his time, there's an incredible amount of peace that goes with it. You do it his way, it's always better. It's always better. And so Jacob's blessing really came with a baggage of always having to walk around in the Chewbacca outfit. That was him like, I'm blessed as long as I'm wearing the Chewy suit. Which is so fake, isn't it? And, you know, sorry to burst your bubble, back, but Chewbacca is not really real. It's actually, <laughs> he's actually a guy in a suit. Chewbacca is actually a guy in a suit, faking it. Imagine how that just all ties in. I'm sorry, Beck, but I just had to say that. <clears throat> faking it, you know. We, we all fake it, don't we? Come on, let's be honest. We all fake it. I've got the real Yui. The real Yui that no one gets to see all of the real Yui, fortunately, probably. Um, but the, the real Yui is, um, is a, mixture, a mixed bag, if you like. Sometimes loving life, sometimes just on top of the world, sometimes stressed and anxious, worried about the future. Sometimes I'm a great dad. Sometimes I'm yelling at the kids. Sometimes I'm so focused at work, I'm doing great. Other times I make big mistakes and I live with regret. I want to be different to the real Yui. I don't like the real Yui. The real Yui sometimes sucks. I want a different kind of reality, please. You relating to me so far? So we build this persona. And for me, it's the fake Yui. I can have the fake Yui, which is so much better than the real Yui. Honestly, you love the fake Yui. The fake, I mean the real Yui, the real Yui is awesome, you know, and so I can smile and wave at the neighbors I'm backing out, having just had a big argument with my wife. I can come to church feeling full of faith when really I'm crippled with insecurities and doubts. You know, I can i can nod my head like I understand in a conversation, and really, I've got no idea what they're talking about. <laughs> Why are you guys all laughing at that like it's like it's true? So... I can put my best face up on Instagram, you know, the duck lips and all that. Um, I can p- show people how awesome I look. And I showcase my strengths, don't I? And, and I, I'm not really willing to acknowledge the weaknesses that are, that are really there. So out of our fears and insecurities, we whitewash it all and we make ourselves look different. You know, I'm not going to put up the photo with me that looks totally like I've got a double chin or a triple chin. Or I'm blinking or I'm looking scowly or, you know, I'm not going to put all of that stuff up. I just want to look presentable and look good, right? We've got this tendency, and this is so crazy, that we, we crumble and we feel like a failure when other people are doing great. Isn't that just so nuts? When someone around you is excelling and doing awesome and you feel like rotten. You feel like I totally suck. I'm totally, just a total mess, and the opposite happens too, that we feel more valuable. We feel okay about ourselves when other people around us are failing. Oh, I mean, I hate to admit it, but sometimes those thoughts go through my head. Like, I feel better about myself when they're not doing so well. It's, it's such a trap when we start comparing ourselves with other people. Paul uh, addressed this in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 12. We do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. Not wise means stupid. They are stupid. Like All this comparing that goes on, this kind of, I'm comparing myself with somebody else and how they're going, and if they're doing better, I feel bad, and if they're doing bad, I feel good. It's just so crazy. And we need to actually change the way that we think about ourselves because God is not in love with fake Yui. He's actually in love with real Yui. He wants to know me, the, the real me. And even if the real you is feeling lost or feeling terrified or feeling broken, that's what he's in love with. And we actually have to get to the point of admitting that to ourselves and maybe to other people so that God can move on with us, he can work with that. Luke 9, Jesus says this, What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? You can gain everything, have it all, and look great and glossy from the outside, and yet your soul is empty. Your soul is empty. And this is the journey that Jacob was on. So let's fast forward 21 years into the future. Jacob has worked really hard. He's almost become a self-made man. He's done very well for himself. He's got married. And now he's kind of got to that point where he feels like, okay, I feel together enough that I can go back home and I can talk to my brother and we can have it out. We can talk it through and we can make peace, hopefully. That was his desire. But isn't it true too that we... We don't want to start talking to people we love or people around us about our, fates, our failures or our faults until we kind of got it a bit together, right? We want to have ourselves sorted out. And then I'll go and talk to somebody about it. Oh, yeah, I struggled with this thing. It was such a big problem in my life, but I got over it. So we're all good now. You know, I'm feeling good. And we want to admit those things. But we don't want to admit when we're right in the valley, when we're really struggling um, and we don't have answers. And this is Jacob This is where Jacob had come to. So Jacob decides that he's going to go back and he's going to talk with Esau and they're going to make their peace. But on the way back, he has this encounter with God, which changes everything. This encounter with God, which changes everything. He thought he was on his way to make peace with Esau, his brother, but actually God had set him up for him to actually make peace with himself. So let's read uh, Genesis 32. This left Jacob, so he'd, come to a, he'd sent his family away because he was worried that Esau might attack them. So he sent his family away, and Jacob's all alone in this camp by a riverbed. And it says, This left Jacob all alone in the camp, and a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. When the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and he wrenched it out of his socket. Then the man said, Let me go, for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go until you bless me. What is your name? The man asked. You know, 21 years earlier, his dad, Isaac, asked him the very same question. What is your name? And he said, my name's Esau. I'm being fake here. My name's Esau. And he got Esau's reward. He got Esau's blessing but today was going to be different. He was pushed to the limit by God, pushed to the very edge of himself. And the real blessing that God wanted to give Jacob would only come when he was willing to actually admit who he really was. This time he said, my name is Jacob. That's me. I'm the backstabber. I'm the heel grabber. I'm the try hard. I'm the pretender. I'm... I'm willing to actually explain to you who I am. This is my name, Jacob. I'm not so perfect as you thought. Your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. From now on, you will be called Israel. Wow, what a turnaround. But it was at that point of actually acknowledging who he really was, where he was really at, that God was able to say, finally, I've got somebody I can work with. Someone who's willing to to be honest with themselves about where they're at. Now I can speak promise into your life. And you know what Israel means? It's an incredible name. It, it means triumphant with God. The new name that God wanted to give Jacob all along was something so different. He didn't have to engineer it and make it so much better for himself. God could do that. We've got to be honest with ourselves, people. We've got to be willing to, to say it to God, to say to other people how it really is, what's really going on. The fullness comes in Christ, Colossians 2, 9-10. In Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and in Christ, you have been brought into fullness. It's this combination of me and my brokenness and God and His holiness converging and coming together to create something incredible. The fullness is found in Christ. The fullness is not found in you attempting to make yourself look better. The fullness is found in you having a relationship with Jesus Christ. He says, I want to work with that. I want to build on that. I want to bring promise into your life. I want to bring change for the better into your life. I want to shine through your imperfections. You know, we're so... Fixated on making ourselves look all shiny and beautiful on the outside. God says, Don't worry about that stuff. I want to shine through that. And I don't know about you, but I meet somebody who's not altogether there, but then I see the God shine through. And I go, Wow, that's amazing. And I'm so in love with that. And it's like, I don't think some of those cracks are ever going to leave us. Some of those things are going to be with us forever. But we allow the, the presence of God working through our lives. We can transform. Our, not only ourselves but people around us. They won't be, they won't be sort of amazed at the glory of the person. You know, the Esau exterior. They won't be amazed by that, that because they'll see only God. And they'll say to themselves, How can how can something so amazing shine through that? Just a human being. Honestly, we need to acknowledge that. Leonard Cohen wrote a song many years ago. You've probably heard it before, but some of the words say this. Ring the bells that still can ring. Forget your perfect offering. There's a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. That's how the light gets in. That's how it gets through you. When you're willing to actually confess and acknowledge who you are. The real you. And you know what? As you look through the life of Jacob as the years progressed, he wasn't called Israel for the rest of his life. He was interchangeably termed Jacob and Israel. All the way through his life. It was like it never left him. Exodus 3. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He was named Jacob, even though God was still working in his life. Honestly, guys, God will continue to work through your life. There's still going to be cracks. There's still going to be problems. There's still going to be things that you need to work through. But that combination of his perfection and your imperfection is going to be a wonderful combination. It's a work in progress. It's a work in progress. Philippians 2 will finish with this. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Guys, God has got a plan for your life. And it's not about survival. And it's not about doing something glorious that people necessarily celebrate. It's walking with him and allowing Him to transform you. Guys, today, as we close, I want to encourage you